Hello and welcome to Ecology and Me, a citizen scientist podcast for curious humans. I'm Kate Douglas, curious human, and today we're talking about pinnipeds. I know what you're thinking. I'm here for sea lions and their whiskers. I don't even know what a pinniped is. I'll let Claire explain. So the prefix pinna means feather or flipper, and then ped, like pedestrian, means foot. So these are flipper or feather-footed animals, and that includes seals, sea lions, and walruses. My name is Claire Nasser, and I am a marine mammal ecologist. It's changed a bit depending on kind of what camp you're in, but we think that seals and sea lions and walruses could be descended from a common ancestor called Anilearctos that came into the ocean about 30 million years ago. Anilearctos had a short tail and limbs with webbed feet. It also had large eyes, whiskers, and a specialized inner ear to hear underwater, all very similar to sea lions we see today. In fact, the drawing I found of Anilearctos looks like a sea lion with a toothier smile. Speaking of toothy sea lion smiles. If you look at those like old black and white photos of people who hunted seals, if you like look at their hands, you might see missing fingers because oftentimes they got bit kind of in the process of harvesting seals or sea lions and they cause really bad infections. It's called seal finger. And to this day, You know, I've had friends, unfortunately, who have been bit by sea lions, and it's very, very intensive treatment. It's something that you don't want to mess around with. Pinnipeds' closest living relatives are bears and the superfamily of mustaloids, which includes weasels, raccoons, skunks, and red pandas. Quite a family reunion that would be. And so pinnipeds have really special adaptations to essentially survive at sea. I have a very basic definition of adaptation, which I like to use. It's just something an animal has, either physically or behaviorally, that helps them survive. One thing, I promise, if you Google any picture of a sea lion or a seal, the first thing you'll notice are their big eyes. It's a really helpful tool for them to find food. They have huge eyes. Pinnipeds need all the help they can get to find food because in the ocean, things get pretty dark pretty quickly once you start diving underwater. All pinnipeds have whiskers. And here's another fancy pinniped term. They're called vibrissae. And if you think about that word, that prefix almost sounds like vibration. And that's exactly what they use their whiskers for. So when something swims by, it actually leaves a wake behind, almost like a boat wake. If you see kind of a boat in the water, it creates that like V behind with all the waves. Fish actually have that too, but it's underwater. And I happen to be a small part of a study at the Pinniped Cognition and Sensory Systems Lab, where I was helping a PhD student literally study how sensitive is a seal's whiskers. And the seal was actually trained to wear a blindfold and follow an underwater submarine. And he was able to follow it very precisely just by using his whiskers. And you could really see him flex his whiskers forward and follow the weight. So Whiskers are used to essentially help them find food. Fur seals and California sea lions use those whiskers, those vibrissae, in communication too. They almost like touch noses and kind of rub their whiskers together. So I think it's an important sense of touch. Whiskers are awesome. (laughs) I wish the hair on my face helped me find food. 
Another pretty awesome pinniped adaptation is blubber. And blubber should not be underestimated. This isn't just ordinary fat we're talking about here. It's super thick and has blood vessels in it. I would say blubber's first and foremost job is um, to help with thermoregulation, to help keep them warm. Human fat doesn't have any blood vessels in it, so maybe that explains why I always have cold hands. Or maybe I'm a vampire. Hard to say. And I learned a fun fact um, recently that some species of whale have 12 inches of blubber around their body. So it's like a foot of specialized, essentially, fat around their body. In fact, blubber is so unique that some scientists consider it to be a type of connective tissue between the animal's skin and its internal organs. Blubber helps pinnipeds regulate their temperatures and keep them warm. It also helps them survive their breeding season when they stop eating. What? Here I go talking about elephant seals again, but the males sometimes won't eat for over three months. And so they rely on that specialized tissue. They can actually metabolize it like they would metabolize food. Getting around the ice cold water requires some other special skills too. So pinnipeds are marine mammals and all mammals have to breathe air. So even though they have a really cool lifestyle at sea, they absolutely cannot breathe underwater, which is crazy because they spend so much of their life in the ocean. And so they have really special adaptations to help them do that. Some pinnipeds, like a northern elephant seal, my favorite, they have hemoglobin, which we do too. We have hemoglobin. It's essentially like red blood cells that help us carry oxygen in our body. Elephant seals have something called myoglobin, which is an oxygen-carrying a cell like in their muscles, which is super special. In humans, myoglobin is found in heart and skeletal muscles. And when you have a heart attack or severe muscle damage, myoglobin is released into your blood. This chemistry stuff is pretty wild. Okay, back to pinnipeds. They have some other really cool adaptations. Like when they dive really deep, they shunt all of their blood to their really important organs. So their flippers actually kind of lose a little bit of circulation, things like that. And their heart rate slows down significantly when they're diving. So the heart isn't like working as much to pump oxygen through their body. And so no, pinnipeds can't breathe underwater. But on the flip side of that, they have really cool adaptations to help them survive in the water. Looking to the years ahead, human beings and pinnipeds seem to have their fates braided together. Part of my master's thesis research was based in how animals use space. One of the questions that I was kind of asking was how do seals and sea lions and seabirds use islands and rocks on the north coast of California? And also how people use that space too. And when I think about climate change and sea level rise, it really, I think, begs the question, like, what's going to happen to those rocks? A lot of those rocks are going to be underwater in a few hundred years. And so where are sea lions going to go? Where are seabirds going to go? The ocean is beautiful and people love living on the coast. California, where I live on the West Coast, has some of the biggest populations like on the coast. And so there's a recipe there for, I think, either a really cool relationship between humans and wildlife or maybe a not-so-cool relationship between humans and wildlife. What is going to happen 
500 years from now? What is that relationship going to look like between marine wildlife and people? I think I think that's something that I think about before bed and like when I wake up. It's, what does the future look like? So recap. Pinnipeds are our flipper-footed friends, including seals, sea lions, and walruses. They're also related to bears, who I can't wait to do an episode on. Pinnipeds have some amazing survival tools, such as whiskers, which help them navigate and orient, as well as blubber, which helps them keep warm in the frigid ocean waters. Oh, and their blood chemistry is pretty wild. Thanks for listening in. If you want to support the podcast, visit my Patreon where you can submit questions for future episodes. Please send me your burning curiosities and we can learn the answer together. That's at patreon.com slash ecology and me. I'm Kate Douglas. Stay curious out there. This episode was recorded, mixed, and produced by me. Theme song is by the amazing Matthew Dean Marsh. Follow us on social at ecology and me.